0: I mean, it sounds really weird, but I feel like I almost understand my own book better now that I've read it out loud.
1: The way your voice sounds in your head as you type in it is sometimes not the way your voice sounds when you're actually reading the book.
2: I also practiced the owl calls that appear in the text, and I discovered it's really not easy to hoot or squawk like an owl. Welcome to
1: This is the Author where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks.
0: In this episode, meet reporter and editor Stephanie McNeil, Slow AF Run Club founder Martinez Evans, and science writer Jennifer Ackerman. Dive into influencer culture, hear about the joy of recording cautionary tales, and learn what it's like to perform owl hoots in the studio. These authors certainly weren't shy about what it was like to record their audiobooks. Enjoy. Hi, this is Stephanie McNeil, author of Swipe Up for More. I wrote my book because I have spent the past 10-ish, maybe more years of my life Being really obsessed with influencers and influencer culture. And I had never read a book about the industry before, and I thought the industry deserved one. So that was the initial nugget that led to this book. I would use the word illuminating to describe recording my audiobook because this sounds weird, but I really got a good sense of what I had written by reading it out loud that I don't think I would have had if I hadn't read it from front to back. I mean, it sounds really weird, but I feel like I almost understand my own book better now that I've read it out loud. I realized that apparently I've been saying the word opacity wrong my entire life. I thought it was opacity because you say opaque, so why would you not say opacity? Also, I've never heard anyone say opa- How do you say it? Opacity? I don't know. I think that the dictionary is wrong on this one, but I will concede to Merriam-Webster. Okay. My favorite part of recording the audiobook was when I was reading the GOMI commenters, what they write on GOMI because I just had fun pretending to be someone writing snarky comments on the internet, you know, busting out those acting skills. Also, I really let my true Southern California Valley Girl voice shine in those moments. I wouldn't say I did anything like the days before specifically to prepare. I had a great session with our director, Eileen, where she walked me through of some best practices, which really, really helped. But I think what I've told people, not that that many people have asked me, but when people have asked me, I would say the best way to prepare to write a book is to read a lot of books in the genre you're going to write. So when I was writing this book, I read a ton of narrative nonfiction. And I would say, Probably the thing that helped me the most in preparing to do an audiobook is listening to a ton of audiobooks, which I already did for pleasure, and I think that helped me just understand what would provide a good audio experience in that way. If I had to record again, I would make sure I had as much of this throat coat tea as possible that they had here in the studio because once I found it, I'm not a huge tea person, but I was like mainlining it because it actually really worked in helping when your throat got kind of scratchy in making you sound better and feel better. It actually really tasted good. I guess some people don't like it, but I liked it. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast like someone who is really viral. I mean, I would say Chrissy Teigen, but she's kind of fallen off, but someone who... You know, if they were going to record an audiobook, it would make a big splash because then people would want to hear what they sounded like. So they would pick it up and buy my audiobook. Right now, I am listening to The Glass Castle, which I know I'm literally like 20 years too late, but I was in high school when it came out. And I love it so much. I actually really, really love audiobooks a lot, especially nonfiction audiobooks. When I first started writing this book, I realized I hadn't read a ton of narrative nonfiction myself, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start reading narrative nonfiction. But as a journalist, you know, I'm reading a lot all day, and sometimes it's kind of hard to read all day and then read all night for pleasure. So I started listening to audiobooks of narrative nonfiction when I was running or walking, and it has become like a total obsession. So recently I saw Jeanette Walls had this new novel that came out, and then I realized I had never read The Glass Castle, which is her memoir. It's read by the author. She's a great narrator. And I mean, it's such a good book, so highly recommend. I love listening to audiobooks while I run. I love running in the morning. You know, it really is a good way to start my day just getting out and You know, losing myself in a book and being outside is always really sets me up to have a good day. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. A wise Instagram caption once said, One day you will be at the place you always wanted to be. That's how I felt when I first stepped foot in a place I had spent hours staring at on social media. The suburbs of Salt Lake City. Utah. I know, it doesn't sound like a bucket list worthy destination, but to me it was. Sure, I've swiped through photos of the beaches of Santorini and lusted over the breathtaking views from the mountains of Cape Town. But mostly, I have swiped and scrolled and liked and commented on photo after photo taken in Provo, Lehigh, Alpine, and Draper.
1: What up? This is Martinez Evans, the author of Slow Up Run Club, the ultimate guide for anybody who wants to run. I wrote this book because when you look at the current books out there on how to run, most of those books are written by elite athletes, former elite athletes, or coaches of elite athletes, teaching people how to run and get faster like elite athlete. But none of those books helped me throughout my journey. For example, none of those books told me what to do if I did not feel like a runner. So I wrote the book that I wish I had when I started running back in 2012. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be interesting because I think it's very interesting the way your voice sounds in your head as you type in it it's sometimes not the way your voice sounds when you're actually reading the book in audio format. So I think it's just a challenge trying to make sure that the disconnect between those two is as short as possible. I realized I had trouble pronouncing Kip Pojay and I think I still is slaughtering this man's name. I'm very sorry. He's like one of the greatest marathoners in the world. And for some reason, my speech impediment will not let me pronounce his last name correctly. I'm excited that the listeners will get to hear this smooth, bare tone, buttery voice. My favorite section to record was the cautionary tales. So at the beginning of every chapter, I shared a story or tell tale that happened to me, and I think I gave my best performance reading those sections because I felt as if I was right there in that moment again. I prepared for the audiobook recording by listening to other audiobooks. That was the first thing, just understanding how people are trying to convey these stories and like what resonated the most with me. The other thing I did was briefly read over the chapters the day or a few hours before I came in to record. Just so I'm a little bit prepared and familiar with those words all over again. If I had to record again, I would bring some slippers or some flip flops or just something a little bit more comfortable with me in the studio. Because you're sitting down. And one of the things I noticed or I found myself doing was just kicking off my shoes every time I sat down. So if I had like some slippers, some flip flops or some Crocs that I can easily take on or off, I think that would have made my experience just a little bit better. If I wasn't recording my audiobook, I would cast David Goggins. I just really enjoy that guy's tenacity. And I think hearing him read these cautionary tales will really take it to the next level. The last book that I listened to that I loved was Never Finished by David Goggins. Like I said, I am a huge Goggins fan. And the latest book he just put out inspires me in a way different way than his first book did. I love to listen to all your books when I'm on a run. So I'm an avid runner. My book is about running and instead of listening to music i find myself just consuming more audiobooks while i'm running because i feel like i'm learning something and i'm getting double enrichment by a running and listening to a book at the same time and now listen to a clip from my audiobook mr evans you're fat you have two options lose weight or die it was 2012 and I was sitting in a doctor's office in my 360 plus pound body. I was fed up with the world telling me all of the ways that I was wrong. Getting this fat phobic bullshit from my doctor was the last straw. I was hurt sitting there with my arms crossed with a tight lipped smile plastered on my face. While I fiercely tapped my right heel on the ground, something else was brewing inside of me as well. Defiant anger.
2: This is Jennifer Ackerman, the author of What an Owl Knows, the new science of the world's most enigmatic birds. I wrote this book for a simple reason, because every encounter I've had with an owl just stands out vividly for me. It just feels like this wondrous, magical, somehow transformative moment. And, you know, I love birds, all birds. But I don't recall every encounter with like a Baltimore oriole or an indigo bunting or, you know, even a bald eagle as this sort of kind of swoon. And, you know, what is it about owls that exert such a hold on us? And I really wanted to explore what new scientists discovered about these really remarkable birds. I prepared for the audiobook recording by reading the book, aloud quietly to myself. And, you know, when I encountered a challenging word or phrase, like an unfamiliar name or an expression in another language, there are actually a lot in this book, scientific names and expressions related to owls in Hindu and Indonesian, Portuguese. I looked those up to get the proper pronunciation, and then I practiced it. I also practiced the owl calls that appear in the text, and that was probably the hardest part. I discovered it's really not easy to hoot or squawk like an owl. If I had to record again, I think I would bring an assortment of owls with me into the studio, great horned owls and Eurasian eagle owls and screech owls, to help me out with those hoots. Actually, I'm just kidding. That would require bringing in a whole slew of owl trainers, too, and this little sound booth would get very crowded. I've narrated two of my previous books, Birds by the Shore and The Birdway, and doing so really taught me how important it is for a writer to read aloud the text before submitting it to a publisher, you know, to catch those infelicitous or awkward phrasings or sentences Also, narrating the books made me realize just how much I love reading aloud and how important it is to just relax, settle into it, and enjoy the experience. There are so many parts of the book I'm excited for listeners to hear. The sections on how owls raise their young and the antics of young owlets, what we've learned about the psychology of owls, their personalities, emotions, and intelligence, Also, I think the chapter in the book about owl communication, how owls talk to one another in very sophisticated ways. So, you know, an owl hoot is not just a hoot. Owls have all kinds of vocalizations. They shriek and yap and chitter and squeal and warble. And their vocalizations are incredibly complex. You know, they communicate not just their needs and desires, but really highly specific information about their individual identity and their sex, their size, their weight, even their state of mind. It was challenging for me to narrate the chapter Half Bird, Half Spirit about owls and the human imagination and how different cultures view owls because of all the wonderful and diverse and unfamiliar expressions, like the terms for owls among the Noongar of Australia, or the traditional proverbs and sayings of Chileans, which incorporate owls. I think of lechuza vieja no entra en cueva de zorro. An old barn owl does not enter a fox den. That is, that old age and wisdom foster sound decisions. My favorite bird song to listen to in the wild apart from a hooting owl, is the Pied Butcher Bird. It's a beautiful black and white Australian songbird. And the Pied Butcher Bird lives up to its name. It does these dastardly deeds, skewering small birds and other animals for dinner. But it also sings like an angel, you know, sometimes in duets or trios. This bird's song is so spectacularly melodic and haunting that composers have even used it in creating symphonies. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was the novel When We Were Birds by Ayana Lloyd Banwo. The novel is set in Trinidad, and it's this beautiful mythic tale that's also about ordinary daily life on the island, I loved the story, the characters, and the lyrical language. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. In some places, owls vie with penguins for popularity. In others, they're vilified as demon spirits. Owls have this kind of duality. They're tender and deadly, cute and brutal, ferocious and funny sometimes even playing the mischievous clown, stealing camera equipment, or snatching hats. We see something deeply familiar in them, with their round heads and big eyes, and at the same time, an intimation of a whole other kind of existence, the dark side of the one we inhabit.
1: This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.
2: For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.